As always, it is my pleasure that you join me for today's podcast of Second Chance Coaching. My name is Dr. Richard Lewis. If you'd be so kind as to leave me a rating and your feedback, I would very much appreciate it, and it will help others like you to optimally discover this podcast wherever you listen to this and your other favorite podcast. As you know, at Second Chance Coaching, we focus on seeing everyday life through the eyes of the returning citizen and highlighting the resiliency of the human spirit. I would love to work with you one-on-one, whether you're a returning citizen or coaching client seeking your second chance, or you're a representative of a business, college, or university seeking to integrate and support returning citizens in your respective organizational and learning environments. Please feel free to contact me via email at richard at secondchancecoaching.com or via Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Welcome again to another edition of Second Chance Coaching. As always, it is my pleasure to join you on another week of your reentry journey from whichever corner of the world you're listening from. We always remain humble and excited that you decided to spend a part of your week with us, and this week is no different. Uh, this week, we're actually entering Thanksgiving Day in here in the United States of America. As a matter of fact, if you're listening to this podcast upon the day in which, it's, which it drops, which is on Wednesday, Thanksgiving Day will be tomorrow. So no matter where you are, whether you're on this side of the world or you might be currently incarcerated or if you're going through something right now, there's there's still always something to be thankful for. We just have to continually search for it. You know, some days are harder than others. As a matter of fact, we'll even drop another podcast episode tomorrow speaking of giving thanks and those reflections of giving thanks. But speaking of giving thanks... Last Thursday was an exceptional day to give thanks as well. As in the state of New York, the Clean Slate Act officially was signed into law by Governor Hochul. And with the stroke of a pen, myself and along with 2 million eligible New Yorkers have had their records automatically sealed. And as it was said in the signing by the governor, the most effective rehabilitation tool that one could be given is a job. And the Clean Slate Act immediately a lot of the proponents talked about that this is the ability of someone to get a job, to get a clean slate, a fresh start. But I like to debate, I like to say that it's more than just a job. It could also give an opportunity for someone to get a license. It could get someone an opportunity uh, an opportunity at, at decent housing. It could even give someone the opportunity, a chance to coach one's Little League baseball team. My late son, Nanamdi, played Little League baseball but I certainly didn't try to coach or apply to coach the team because I knew my background hit would prevent me from being that part of his part of that integral part of his life. But I still showed up to every single game and I still shared that experience with him. Maybe another thing that the Clean Slate Act gives someone an opportunity is to not needing to be judged by a significant other. I mean, you know, getting a driver's license, opening a checking account, the chance to get better credit getting into a college or university, so many things among the over 40,000 collateral consequences that one has to experience when they have a criminal justice record. And maybe just some of those, some of those things could be just summed up in, in one word or in two words. How about just having that second chance, those two words? In my case, as I've shared with you before, I was able to have my record sealed prior to the passage of this, 
prior to the passage of this law, probably a little more over two years ago, under New York State Law 160.59. When this when this happened for me, the first benefit for me was that I was able to, without any difficulty, at least when it came to that part of the process, I was able to go through the screening process to purchase my condominium apartment seamlessly. As I've discussed in previous podcast episodes, um, when I was looking for an apartment to rent over 10 years ago, housing was an issue with because of my criminal justice record. I was denied by a number of complexes before I was de- accepted by one complex. And every denial, like I said, was because of my criminal justice history, not because of my credit, not because of my job, not because of my ability to pay. It was all about my criminal justice history. No matter what I said I had, that I that has happened since then, no matter how much I, I accomplished, my criminal justice history hit from the year 2000 would still be a burden for me in, in that search of looking for housing. And I truly believe it still would be a burden for me today. We're talking about 40,000 collateral consequences to having a criminal record. I also talked about in past podcast episodes about one employment teaching opportunity passing me by or denied to me because of my criminal justice history. Even though they knew all of the good things that I had done since 2000, it just did not matter to them. The last Thursday, and, you know, I remembered speaking to many folks who were involved in, in New York State's Clean Slate campaign, and I want to thank all of them. They did such a great job, did such hard work. You know, they were delayed but not denied. Sometimes a legislative session ran out in some years, and they couldn't get it through, but they got it through this year. And I remember when I spoke to some of the proponents of the Clean Slate campaign, I distinctly remember speaking to one person who just expressed themselves through nothing but tears of joy. You know, they said they they said to me, you know, through through their tears that they feel like their life had been reborn. They had been reborn. A second chance for them was not a pipe dream anymore. It was just it was indeed a reality. And even though my record had been sealed two years earlier. Since my record is also eligible for sealing under this new law, I also felt my heart so full of joy, full of joy, that I too expressed myself in that in that conversation through my tears. You know, the tears were expressed not only because of remembering the criminal justice history, but, you know, remember, you know, going to court, remember being convicted, remember being incarcerated, but also remembering the hope in coming home. And that hope being continually dashed as doors kept being closed to me or being closed to someone um, that 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 has gone through this particular journey. So if it, so maybe those doors were closed to you or you just kept or, or you be, could be like me. I just kept walking past certain doors as I knew they'd be closed to me anyway. So you might have been in that situation when you said, you know what, I won't even pursue that that situation because I know that door is going to be closed to me now. Those tears of despair, those tears of hopelessness are now tears of joy because now the New York State Legislature, with a stroke of a pen and the governor signing off on it, has given us, you, all of us, the tangible hope that we have not had in years. You know, in research, I was looking up documentation from the North Philadelphia Law Center they shared with us that in the state of Michigan, clean slate has already been in effect in there for quite some time. After record clearing, after having one's clear clean slate, the probability of employment rose by six and a half percent 
and the wages for returning citizens rose by 22%, or a little or right around that area. In addition, fewer than 4% of people that were eligible for clean slate, fewer than 4% were rearrested within five years of having their records cleared. Now compare that, fewer than 4% rearrested within five years of having their records cleared. Now compare that to a nationwide recidivism rate of close to 70% within three years of release. It just makes sense for this type of legislation to take place. It's been way too long for it to take place. In the same documentation, the North Philadelphia Law Center also indicated that in California, where some convictions could even be expunged, they found that, indiv that an individual who had their record expunged experienced an average yearly income increase of $6,190. In addition, 93% of participants reported confidence in their future job prospects, which they were able to pursue and, and follow up on. Those are much more better statistics than going through the 70% recidivism rate. But even with all of these statistics that are positive that really give strength to what clean slate is, there's still opponents to these type of legislative actions. And, and why could that be? Because of fear? Do they not, it could, be, could it be fear or do, do they not believe in second chances? Do they believe that once a criminal, always a criminal? Do they believe that no one innocent has ever been convicted, that someone's been wrongly convicted? I can honestly answer, I, I could honestly answer that I can't answer or speak to someone else's, you know, motivations. You know, I'm not sure if it's fear. Maybe it is fear. But, you know, if it is fear, and a lot of times, a lot of the reasons that I've heard as far as the opponents of, the, of this type of legislation is fear. But remember, fear is a powerful motivator. It, it could prevent you from making a change or it could really... Um, keep you being at the status quo. But now, but now the record ceiling has now taken place for you. A lot of you New Yorkers, it's taken place for me. Um, you could seal the record now that you have your new chance, your new life, your second chance, your clean slate. But believe me, even though you seal the record, it never seals the experience. Because my conviction and the type of conviction I had happened over 23 years ago, I was eligible to work at the airport because federal background check uh, dynamics only go back up to 10 years. Even though it goes back only 10 years, there is paperwork that will ask you if you've ever been convicted or arrested of anything. It'll go through your whole record. And sealing doesn't stop a federal background check from finding out what it is that you've been through, if you've been through everything, anything. Even though I was not afraid of the job prospect escaping me, I was past that point. The fact that I had to acknowledge and possibly be questioned again about my past, it, it just really gave me that deep feeling deep inside my stomach, that pain, that nervousness, that once again, someone might say no, might say that you're not good enough, might say that that has nothing to do with my qualifications just because I had a criminal conviction from the year 2000. Not judged by that one hit in 2000, not judged by all the accomplishments that I've had in the last 23 years. In my teaching position, as a matter of fact, we must complete a certain amount of professional development or continuing education hours in a three-year time frame. The, the requirement can also be met by the completion of one three-credit course at the undergraduate or graduate level. 
I recently applied a few months ago at a local university to take a course in the new year that is of interest to me. And in, and in going through that application process of applying to the university, you certainly have to answer questions about your criminal justice history if, it is, if it's applicable to you. Now, for the last 23 years, I've been answering in the affirmative and have gone through the process of having a letter of explanation, so much so that I have a template format for my criminal justice explanation letter. The only thing that has changed with that template is that I've added in the letter that my record is sealed. But despite my record being sealed, my automatic mental muscle memory was to answer in the affirmative, which, it, which caused a number of follow-ups and forms and processes from the university, which I had to follow automatically take place. And I just went through it as, as, as if it was nothing because that's, that's what I was used to. I was just used to going through that, going through those processes. And one of the process was to pay for, actually pay for a criminal background check with an outside, with an outside company and then submit the results to the local university. When I paid and completed that background check, the background check was returned to me with no hits, which means nothing came up on my record. Why? My record had been sealed. Even though I consciously was not surprised by the result of the of the background check coming up with no hits, I still unconsciously felt like I had to provide that disclosure. Even though the result of the background check solidified my conscious knowledge that I could have answered no because I knew I had a legally sealed record. But at the end of the day, while my record was still sealed, my experience and the feelings coming from that experience were not sealed, nor will they ever will be. So, so there was just the conscious dynamic of just, just answering yes, even though I explained the fact that the record was sealed. Now, there's a part of me that, you know, even though that never wants that experience to be sealed in my mind, you know, I never want the fire or the drive, determination, faith, and the fuel that drives me to be an advocate for second chances, I never want that to go away. I never want that to leave. But however, what I would like to leave from me is the mental muscle memory that automatically had me react to automatically disclosing that I had a criminal justice background, even though in the letter I was explaining that the record was sealed. So in essence, I really wouldn't have had to explain anything. I could have just kept it to myself. Now, I would like that that mental muscle memory not to be a part of me anymore. And I have a fellow tw 2 million New Yorkers that have just experienced this newfound bill of health, this new second chance. And it is my hope that this disabling mental muscle memory leaves them as well, just like I'm trying to have it leave me. Now, while we have discussed in the past different dynamics here in the podcast about putting things in the past behind you, but let me remind you, and of course, this is also a part of me to remind myself what Psychology Today shares with us as seven strategies, seven strategies that we could that we could use to put the past behind us. And let's talk through what these seven strategies are. Number one, consciously decide to put the past behind you. Now, this may sound obvious in you know in its state, but sometimes it isn't. Consciously you know, means that we're aware of what's happened to us and understanding how we're affected by it. And, you know, so we have to consciously put that past behind us. So if I know that my record is sealed, consciously put that behind me and say, you know what, I don't have to answer in that affirmative anymore. Number two, take complete responsibility for myself, for yourself. 
It's ultimately up to you to take the necessary actions to help you move forward. But then ask yourself this question when you're trying to move forward. What's holding you back? Why is it holding you back? And does and does and how does holding on to that past make you feel? How does it make me feel? How does it make you feel? Does it, live, does it make you feel better to live in the past on the fantasy of what could have been or I should have turned left or you should have turned left or you should have turned right? You know, are you using the holding on or the what ifs or the what could have haves as a way to remain in limbo? So, you know, are you, but in being honest with yourself, in dwelling in the past is it taken away from you moving forward in the future? I tell my students all the time, you learn more from the mistakes you made than the accomplishments that you have. So is taking responsibility for yourself, you know, part of that is embracing those mistakes and embracing those lessons from those mistakes. And just being honest with yourself that, you know what, the pain and the hurt and the, and the disappointment will diminish if you're taking complete responsibility for yourself. Number three, accept the past as is. All of us talk about the five stages of grief, denial, anger, you know, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And, you know, a lot of that talks about sometimes being dealing with the death of someone, but also, too, Past events could feel like a loss. It could feel like something has happened dramatic or traumatic to us. And sometimes it's that emotion. We have to mourn the loss of the past and or mourn the loss of what has happened and just accept that this is what has this is what it is. This is what has happened. And it doesn't mean when you accept the past that you accept it, you know, you accept, you know, something in the in the sense of saying, oh, well, I wish it could have been something different, but you just accepted what it is, not what you wish you could have been. You accept the reality that the past is what it is. You've learned from it, but it opens a possibility of new things, different perspectives, new lessons. You remember, you've learned more from the mistakes that you've made, but you start with that by accepting the past is what it is. Number four, make a plan for your, in your immediate future. What's important to you going forward? What's important to you right now? What is it? What are the what are the what does the future look like? What do you want it to look like? Even if you're going to take small steps towards that future. Number five, gather your strengths. What are your positive aspects? What are your talents, gifts and gifts and assets? What are the small changes that you need to make to make the bigger changes? You know, determine what you'll need to make you happy. What empowers you? You know, put yourself first. Be a little selfish and gather your strengths and say, this is what I'm good at. This is what I could stand forward and stand in front of people and say, this is what I could do. This is what I have to offer. And this is what I have to give the world. And then that goes into number six, forgive yourself and forgive others. And I know that could be difficult, but it's important because the forgiveness allows you to accept past actions from yourself and others, even though you still may have questions and questions and concerns about those actions. You know, staying in, stuck in the past and those emotions uh, surrounding them, it's just such a waste of time. It just leaves you stuck and angry. No matter how many times you relive the past in your mind, you're not going to rewrite or reimagine it. Um, you're not going to reimagine that someone did better when they didn't. So, you know, sometimes you forgive those past events and people. It helps you move on to the next phase and it doesn't leave you stuck. Likewise, the hardest person that you may have to forgive is yourself. Forgive yourself for whatever it is that you've done. You know, sometimes, you know, you didn't have all the information. You, you did the best you could. And sometimes a mistake was made. 
and and maybe your best wasn't good enough on that day but you know tomorrow your best will be your best will be good enough but forgive yourself first and forgive others that have done done harm to you so you could sit there and let that go and that goes into number seven learning the lessons from the past you know as with anything that happens to us as i always say you learn more from the mistakes you've made as anything that happens to us in life there's always new things to learn about ourselves you know when things don't work out events don't work out you know sometimes those emotions of anger hurt disappointment they're really hard to deal with but when things don't work out for us we, you know, we feel deprived. We may feel rejected. Our self-esteem may take a hit. But these life lessons are good for us if you sit there and listen to them. If you wait long enough to listen, if you take the time to say, let me learn from the mistakes that I've made so I can make better choices moving forward. And speaking of that local university, even though I sat there and was very, very honest and I was affirmative in saying what it is that I had to say, even though there was no background check hits, I received a letter just today, an email just from just from them today, that the committee that reviews that reviews admission into that local university unanimously accepted me to go into that program. And I'm not going to finish the program. I'm just trying to take a class. But it felt affirming to say I was accepted into that program, and despite the fact that I sat there and owned and affirmatively answered everything that I had to say, even though I didn't have to. But it was affirming that they still accepted me. But today, as every day, when my, when, my, when my day happened, when my record was sealed, when I had my second chance, that was the first day of the rest of my life. And now today, those of you who have now, this law that, ha that this, this clean slate act in New York State that has given you that second chance, now some of you are now living with your clean slate. You have that today's your new day. Today's your second chance. And now the only direction you need to go to go into now is to just move forward. You have the rest of your life in front of you. You have the rewards, the joys, no more tears, just tears of joy. All of that is resting right in front of you if you go out and take it. And I know you will. Once again, I want to thank you always for sharing your time with me. Thank you for continuing to spread Second Chance Coaching to your friends, family, and loved ones. Thank you again for joining us. I look forward to spending time with you again next week. But before I spend time with you again next week, I'll be spending a little bit of time with you tomorrow for Thanksgiving. So I look forward to talking to you then. Thank you again for joining us here at Second Chance Coaching. In addition to coaching services for individuals and businesses, I'm also available for speaking engagements and workshops on criminal justice reentry, human resources, as well as organizational culture and leadership. Feel free to email me at richard at secondchancecoaching.com, as well as connect with me on Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Remember, every day you are given this opportunity for your second chance, and I know you'll make the best of it. I love you all, and I look forward to connecting with you next time here at Second Chance Coaching.